The reading this morning is from the New Testament book of Acts. I'm going to be reading chapter 2, verses 2 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Christians from every people under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Judy. There were many difficult words in that passage, so thank you for being willing to read that. Well, that's right. If you just say them with confidence, she said no one knows how to pronounce them anyway. If you just say them with confidence, everyone is just really glad that they're not the ones up here. So thank you for that. Let's take a deep breath and let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. About 13 years ago, I sat across the table from a good friend. He was a fairly new friend, but we had mutual friends for years before we met each other. 
And over the past several months, we have been spending quite a bit of time together watching movies and sharing meals and playing board games and having great conversation. And I had a feeling by the time I sat across from him at this table in a coffee shop that this friend was going to ask me about the nature and direction of our relationship. And I wanted to avoid that conversation at all costs because I was really happy at that stage in my life. I was in my early 30s. I had a cute little house that I had purchased myself. I had an adorable dog. I had a meaningful job. And I really was not looking for a serious dating relationship. So I prepared to share that information as kindly as possible. And that's when he looked at me and he said, Amy, we've been having a really great time together and I really like you. And I think it might be time to consider if there's something more than friendship between us. So I took a deep breath and I looked at Jason And I said, I'm open to seeing where this relationship could go. And then I looked over my shoulder to see who had said that. I could not believe the words that had come out of my mouth. Now, as I said them, I realized I meant them. They were genuine, but they were not what I had prepared to say. I felt like my communication had been mysteriously intercepted and translated to reveal what I actually felt. And what I felt in that moment was amazed and perplexed. We find an even more amazing and perplexing case of supernatural translation in our scripture that Judy read for us this morning. The story takes place in Jerusalem during the festival of Pentecost in the year that Jesus died and was resurrected. Next slide, please. We're talking about a matter of days since the resurrection, 50 days to be exact. So after his first encounters with his friends on what we call Easter Sunday, Jesus walked the earth for 40 days, sharing the good news of the resurrection in the flesh. And then on the 40th day, his closest friends watched him ascend into the heavens as he told them that he would send the Holy Spirit to guide them, and he called them to share the good news to the ends of the earth, beginning with Jerusalem. Ten days after that, his friends find themselves in Jerusalem for the Pentecost feast. So in terms of our calendar year, today marks the transition between the Easter season and what we affectionately call ordinary time or kingdom tide. So in terms of the colors of our tradition, we are moving from the white and gold of Easter to the green that will carry us all the way to Advent and then to Christmas with just a little blip of red in between. And that's what you see here on the altar. The color red represents the presence and the movement of the Holy Spirit. The presence and the movement of the Holy Spirit is the central theme of Pentecost for us today. But for the first followers of Jesus, many of whom grew up in the Jewish tradition, Pentecost originally served as an opportunity to celebrate the first fruits of the wheat harvest. Next slide, please. And also a remembrance of the Ten Commandments as they were given to Moses at Mount Sinai. So because of what happens at the festival in the year that Jesus died and was resurrected, Pentecost takes on an additional meaning. 
For those who follow Jesus today, our understanding of Pentecost centers on what happens in the movement of the Holy Spirit. But to understand how that meaning emerged, we have to think about what was going on with the people who were there in Jerusalem on that day. About 120 people had gathered in this one place to celebrate God's faithfulness, and they were speaking many languages because they traveled from all over the place, as Judy read for us this morning. And as they sat down, a rushing wind filled the house, and tiny flames appeared among them, coming to rest on them, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit, we are told. That's the only way the writer could describe what was happening and what happened next as all of the people who spoke in different languages began to understand each other as if they were all wearing translation headsets that were tuned to their native languages. Some people assumed that they were witnessing a serious display of drunkenness, but most were amazed and perplexed and they asked each other, what does this mean? What does this mean? They knew they had experienced something mysterious, supernatural, powerful, and it had meaning beyond their own entertainment. These faithful children of God, they would have recognized the power of the Holy Spirit in this moment. The presence and the movement of the Spirit had been described to them in various ways throughout their tradition, the oral tradition that was passed from generation to generation and later becomes what we know as the Old Testament. The imagery of the Holy Spirit is carried into the New Testament as well. So I have some images to show you here. I've only listed a few scripture references for each image just to give you an idea of the depth and the breadth of the Holy Spirit's presence throughout scripture. I don't expect you to memorize those references. My point is we often talk as if the Holy Spirit showed up at Pentecost. But we know that the Spirit has been at work from the beginning, literally. In the book of Genesis, we find references to the Spirit as the breath of God breathing life into humanity. A few chapters later, a dove brings Noah an olive branch as a sign of new life after the flood. In the story of Exodus, when people found themselves in the wilderness after their escape from Egypt, the Spirit guided their journey in the form of a cloud. When it was time for the people to be given a king, David was anointed with oil as a sign of the Spirit's presence with him. The prophet Isaiah speaks of the Spirit as water that quenches the thirst of people and the land. And these are just a few references. The imagery continues throughout the New Testament as Jesus breathes the gift of the Holy Spirit on his followers and as a dove descends during his baptism and as he speaks of his own anointing to bring good news to the poor and as he offers living water to those who are thirsty. So by the time people gathered in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost, they would have recognized the signs of wind and fire as evidence of the Spirit's movement. They would have known that the Spirit of God swept over creation like a mighty wind and that Moses encountered that same Spirit in a burning bush. They would have remembered the story of Ezekiel and the valley of dry bones they would have recalled the words of John the Baptist foretelling that Jesus would baptize them by fire and the Spirit. 
So here they are, they're gathered to praise God so soon after Jesus had died and resurrected and ascended. And in comes a rushing wind and tongues of fire. They had to know that God was up to something. If the wind wasn't evidence enough, the tongues would have done it. There's nothing lost in translation here. I'm talking about a tongue, like the organs that are in our mouths that enable us to speak in ways that other people can understand. But we still have trouble understanding each other, don't we? It's another ancient story. We can read about it in Genesis chapter 11. We often refer to it as the Tower of Babel. Basically, the people of God persuade each other that they can build a tower up to the heavens and claim the power and glory of God for themselves. Everyone spoke the same language in those days, the story goes. So God mixed up their words and created different languages. That way they would have to work harder to understand each other so they would stay focused on what really mattered and they wouldn't have so much time on their hands to stage a coup, which would turn out to be a waste of time anyway. In the Pentecost story in the book of Acts, we see a reversal of that scrambled communication as the Holy Spirit translates a message of central importance and so Peter says, we're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. That's supposed to be funny. You can laugh. It's okay. He says, we're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And then Peter makes an interesting choice. Now, he had been with Jesus before and after the resurrection. He had heard, he had heard Jesus He had heard Jesus talk about the work of the Spirit and that the Spirit would come to help them. Peter could have simply just shared that information with the crowd, but instead he chooses to recognize his context. He was talking to faithful practitioners of the Jewish tradition. They had come to celebrate the wheat harvest and the giving of the law to their ancestors. So he speaks their language in more ways than one, and he quotes the prophet Joel. This is what has been promised to us, he says, that the Spirit would be poured out among us, giving us the power to prophesy and cast visions and dream, ultimately for the healing of the world. This is it. Don't miss the work of the Spirit, and don't neglect to connect that work to the work of God all along. So I'm wondering, beloved, have we learned to recognize the movement of God's Spirit in our Scripture? I want to ask you, don't say anything just yet, but I want to ask you, can you name the seven images of the Holy Spirit that I've shared with you this morning? In just a moment, you can just shout out the answers or you can put them in the comment section online if you're worshiping in that way. What are the seven images of the Holy Spirit I shared with you this morning? Water, fire, breath, wind, who said earth? <laughs> Say it again. Oil comes from the earth. That's right. Oil comes from the earth. Cloud. Yeah. Dove. Yes. I think we got them all. Did we get them all? Breath, dove, cloud, oil, water, and fire. I was just teasing about the earth. I was thinking about Captain Planet. Do you guys remember that show, if you're my age, Captain Planet? That's what I was thinking of. 
So we're talking about breath, dove, cloud, oil, water, wind, and fire. It is important for us to recognize the movement of the Spirit in our text, to remember when we're reading about creation, about the Spirit hovering over the waters of the deep, to recognize the Spirit in the dove after the flood, to recognize the Spirit in the burning bush as God spoke to Moses. Our familiarity with these stories and others help us learn to recognize recognize the movement of the Spirit in our own lives. In moments as ordinary as coffee and conversation between friends. The conversation between Jason and me was a turning point. It changed our lives. It led to more than a decade so far of marriage and three kids and a host of conversations where one or both of us look amazed or perplexed. But best of all, we trust that the Holy Spirit is with us, helping us speak each other's language, reminding us that God is still up to something amazing and that that plan includes us. Well, God's amazing plan includes all of you as well, and it requires your willingness not only to speak new languages, but to observe and to listen so that you don't miss the Spirit's invitation to join the next steps of the continued movement of God. So my prayer for you this week, beloved, is that you would pay close attention. Pay close attention to what's going on around you and within you and prepare to be perplexed and amazed by the work of God through you. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, come Holy Spirit, inspire us to seek peace in the world, to love our enemies, to put away our weapons, to remember the price paid for our freedom, to care for those who have served. Come, Holy Spirit, and ignite a fire in our bones, a passion for justice that cannot be quenched, until all of your children are loved, until no one is marginalized or oppressed, until everyone has the opportunity to thrive, until the world is transformed and renewed. Amen.